This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of March 5th, 2014, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to episode 122 of Defender Radio. This week we're taking a break from wildlife news to bring you information on a disease spreading from coast to coast in our great nation. Slapsuits. Strategic lawsuits against public participation are plaguing traditional and new media and stand as a major threat to freedom of speech and all social movements. This week we have two guests who will help bring us some awareness about this disturbing legal trend. Kara Zwiebel of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association will discuss the ins and outs of slapsuits from a legal point of view. And Dylan Powell of Marineland Animal Defense will share his story of facing a multi-million dollar suit and how supporters can help fight back. Let's get this episode started. Known throughout the animal advocacy world as a voracious campaigner, Dylan Powell is one of several people facing a slapsuit from Marineland in southern Ontario. Dylan joins us now to tell us more about the situation he is facing and what others can do to help. Hey Dylan, why don't you tell us a bit about the background of this whole situation for you? Yeah, so when we started this campaign in 2011, uh, we knew that if we were effective, we were probably going to be involved in civil litigation because the park historically has been so litigious against anyone uh, who does raise any kind of effective opposition in 2000. Uh, three to 2005, there was a, a quarter of a million dollar damages suit against uh, two organizers locally in the community here, Cathens and Dan Wilson, uh, who were organizing against Marineland at the time under the banner of Niagara Action for Animals. Uh, they had sent a letter to a, an auto company asking them to no longer have their summer picnics at Marineland and provided a bunch of information, and a year later, uh, the letter surfaced in Marineland uh, went forward with their damages claim on the basis of that. Uh, that lasted about two years, and then they dropped before the discovery stage. Um, Cass was someone who was around near the you know, beginning of that campaign and was someone who kind of mentored me. And uh, we also had known about a lot of the legal battles between the folks at the Green Oaks Trailer Park, uh, 47 families who were evicted, uh, by Marineland Canada after they bought up a trailer park next to that property. So walking into it, we knew there was a good possibility that this kind of stuff would happen. And we knew some of the strategies of how to mitigate kind of the biggest damages and continue to have a sustained campaign because previously what happened in the past, there was a suit, it was dropped, but from the span of about 2006 to 2009, there were no real demonstrations on site, and all the people who were previously demonstrating had kind of uh, been burned out, walked away, or you know, just thought that there, it wasn't worth it anymore. Um, so for us, it was not only just about you know how do we deal with this, but we needed to ensure that we were gonna if we were gonna face civil litigation, we were gonna deal with it in a way where there wouldn't be a big drop off, um, where there would be a you know we would be able to sustain the pressure that we had, and so far uh, so good at least from our perspective. Uh, the civil litigation, which they brought, came December 21st, 2012, was when the statement of claim was filed against uh, myself and Marine Land Animal Defense. And there's two suits, uh, an injunction case and then a $1.5 million damages suit. 
Uh, my suit uh, comes in a span of about six months where Marineland filed uh, damages suits against uh, six different uh, entities or people. So three ex-employees uh, have been sued for damages. Uh, two activists have been sued for damages. Um, and then the Toronto Star have been sued for damages of about $7 million, I believe. Uh, within that span of time, they also threatened to sue the OSPCA while they were under OSPCA investigation. So clearly, their strategy is to sue anyone and everyone uh, who is opposing us. They really basically, uh, they were suing the media outlet that was providing, you know, front page news uh, on these stories. They were suing the ex-employees who were detailing testimony of what they'd seen and been involved in in the park, and they were suing activists who were, you know, giving these stories a platform and getting them uh, an even broader reach with the public. So uh, slap suits are all about libel chills. Uh, they want to make everyone who's involved afraid, afraid that you're going to lose your home, you're going to lose your car, you know, you'll be forced into bankruptcy, the potential of jail time, fines, all those things. They're hoping that, you know, if they sue enough people, enough people will walk away or they'll still be passionate about the issue, but they won't voice their concerns because they'll be afraid that, you know, they could be in that position as well. I'm pretty sure you don't have a few million dollars in your back pocket. So, to your mind, is this just about intimidation? It's one of the main indicators of a slap suit uh, on any kind of basis when you're dealing with civil litigation is if the damages that are being claimed are just astronomical um, and they don't have any kind of basis in reality. There's nothing that Marineland, could, Marineland Canada could ever point to which would you know, corroborate a claim like that, that, you know, I personally, or Marineland Animal Defense, um, personally, you know, as a group, have inflicted $1.5 million in damages that they can just correlate. It's, this happened and this, this is the result. Um, a lot of the economic losses that we've seen at Marineland are a response to the public engaging with the dialogue and the discussion that's being had on a, a broad scale, which we are a part of, but which we don't control. And then also just a lot of really dumb moves that Marineland has made. Um, they are the ones who made the decision after the investigative series started to hire uh, a top flight uh, public relations firm they are the ones who have decided to engage in massive civil litigation across, you know, multiple uh, people and agencies. Uh, and they are the ones who created a brand new advertising campaign in response uh, as well. So all those things are things which are causing them an economic loss and introducing new costs to their model. But that's not because, you know, it's not as if that's something that we forced them to do. Uh, Marineland has had numerous opportunities to change practices at their facility, uh, to engage with the broader public dialogue, and at every single outlet they've refused. So for us, um, you know, when you see damages like that, uh, if people who are involved in this issue weren't really expecting civil litigation, it would have a really big wow factor. And when we were specifically sued, uh, my suit was filed the day after the Toronto Star unveiled the... Um, basically issues with the burial site on site at Marineland. Uh, they called it a mass grave, um, and they also detailed how the Ministry of the Environment had no knowledge of the fact that they were burying animals on site, or at least they claimed that, and uh, that Marineland had no permit to do so. So on the 20th, that story breaks. 
on the 21st, they then change the media narrative and it becomes not about the mass graves at Marineland, it becomes about, oh, an activist gets sued for $1.5 million. So a lot of these legal strategies and, uh, you know, when you have slap suits, when you put big numbers on it like that, it has that libel chill effect and it's their media strategy kind of playing off their legal strategy. They want that to, you know, really attract people's attention, $1.5 million. And the knowledge that you don't have it, that's even better for them because, you know, there are people who will look at that and say, I can't be in a position where, you know, publicly uh, people are going to be suing me for over a million dollars and getting news coverage, you know, in response to it. Um, people who, you know, work for uh, public service, uh, people who have more established families, um, you know, it has that effect where even if I'm not personally uh, afraid of their civil litigation, when they engage in something like that, there could be other people who would be watching and say, this is just, you know, too much for me. I, I need to back off. So, And if that, they do do that, Marineland has been partly effective in what they wanted to do. What can average people be doing about slap suits? Yeah, right now, for people who are in Ontario, uh, Bill 83, which is the Public Participation Act, uh, it's been sitting for about two years um, at the base of the same stage. Uh, all parties are in favor of this legislation, have come out publicly in favor of the legislation. Uh, right now, the legislation during this session was brought forward by the Attorney General. Um, it was debated on Monday of this week, um, and or Monday or Tuesday, uh, I can't remember, and uh, it's still at second reading. Uh, it's in a position right now where right in, the, in Ontario there's a potential for a spring election, um, and this bill is basically being sacrificed on the basis of successive minority governments, where it's just it's uh, hard to get anything passed or to prioritize anything other than just passing budgets so that the, the government survives. So we need everyone in Ontario right now to really be contacting their MPP to make sure that this is a focus and to really prioritize this legislation so that even if there's a spring election, this is passed before it. Um, yeah, it's, it's just basically walking through the motions. And um, unfortunately, if you look at the, the record of the debate that happened uh, earlier this week, every single politician is acknowledging that this legislation needs to happen, that slap suits tie up the court system, tie up resources, and they actually stop really important uh, public advocacy and public reforms on issues that, you know, people are really outraged on. So uh, we we need, you know, people who don't think of themselves as activists or don't think that they'd ever be in this situation. You know, this affects so many things, you know, it, in your life, if there's ever been a business practice, a, a corporate business, um, you know, that you've been against, to be able to have the space to know that you can speak out against those practices and not have to go through this process is super important. So anyone who's listening in Ontario, we really need you to contact your MPPs and make sure that they're prioritizing this and support the call for it as well. It's not just us. Uh, Marine Animal Defense has joined with over 120 organizations across Canada calling for this legislation in Ontario. Um, it, you know, it, there's, a, there's a consensus. It's just we have to hit that uh, critical mass to be able to push this forward. And people who are outside of the area, uh, Quebec has anti-slap legislation and other provinces, um, you know, the legal system is going to be a little bit different because most of these uh, suits are civil litigation suits on the provincial level. Uh, but it's always good to know what's going on in your specific province 
And, uh, you know, if there's a similar push or if there's similar slap suits in, in your area, uh, to support the people who are dealing with that process and to push the same for legislation like this, which is gives the judge gives judges finally the ability to make a distinction between commercial interests attacking commercial interests and public advocacy and people taking an ethical or moral moral stance against a a practice or a corporation, and then just having some kind of uh, mechanism within the legal system to acknowledge the fact that one side of this struggle has no resources and the other side has a ton of them. Uh, those two things are really key. And uh, for us, we're really excited to be a part of the call for this legislation because it's going to have such a broad effect uh, moving forward as far as, you know, any kind of environmental advocacy, uh, you know, criticisms of large-scale development in Ontario, uh, anything, anything you could think of where one side, you know, has a huge economic interest at stake and the other side, you know, has an ethical or moral concern that's going to affect this legislation. To find out more about Dylan or get in touch with him, visit his website at dylanxpowell.com. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. Every year, dogs, cats, endangered species, and even people are caught in cruel leg hold, conibear, and other body gripping traps across Canada. Who will speak out for these innocent victims of an outdated industry? We will. I'm Leslie Fox, Executive Director of the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. With your support, we can bring an end to the needless and painful deaths of hundreds of thousands of animals. Become a member today at furbearerdefenders.com to find out how you can give hope for our fur-bearing friends. Have you ever heard a coyote sing? Did you know that coyotes are also called North America song dogs? They communicate through unique howls, yips, and barks. At Coyote Watch Canada, we're committed to fostering peaceful coexistence for communities and their wildlife neighbors by building compassionate wildlife communities one community at a time. Please visit us at coyotewatchcanada.com for more information and tips about this amazing keystone species. I am Brad Gates, owner of Gates Wildlife Control. Do you have raccoons or squirrels living in your attic? Did you know that the hole in your roof is letting water in? Your insulation is being ruined and they could be chewing on your electrical wiring? Protect your biggest investment. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit our website at gateswildlifecontrol.com or dial 416-750-9453. This is Defender Radio. Standing in defense of those who are being persecuted by slapsuits is the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. Director of Fundamental Freedoms Project, Kara Zwiebel, is an experienced litigator who joins us now to lend her expertise on the issues surrounding slapsuits. Thanks for joining us, Kara. Can you tell me, in general, what a slapsuit is and where they originated? Lawsuit is, is short for a strategic a lawsuit against public participation, and, and basically what that means is it's a, a lawsuit initiated by you know either an individual or or an organization, for example, a corporation, um, against someone who's engaging in 
um, either public discussion or protests, sort of participating, you know, publicly in debate around an issue that affects, um, you know, that first organization. And uh, the idea behind the lawsuit is to try and um, get the person that you've sued to devote their resources to defending the lawsuit and uh, basically stop participating in the public discussion and debate that they've been participating in. So uh, it's probably easiest to think of examples um, if you think of, uh, you know, community organizations that might be protesting against a particular development in their community. They might be sued by the developer or, you know, the corporation that's involved. Uh, if they're saying negative things about an individual involved in the development, they might be sued for uh, defamation. So there's, um, you know, sometimes there are valid legal claims um, that are being raised, but, um, you know, for for a slap suit, what we think of as a slap suit is usually about um you know, trying to prevent people from participating in a public discussion and, uh, and and basically get them to back down because of the costs and resources uh, required to defend against a lawsuit. When did slap suits start to become prevalent? Uh, you know, I don't know that I can give a good historical perspective on it. Um, this has been around for some time, and in and, and the United States, they've... Um, they've done work on this for for many more years. Um, we in Ontario had a um, an advisory panel created by the Attorney General to look at slap lawsuits um, around, it was maybe 2009, 2010. Their report came out in 2010. Um, and so, you know, I suppose it's around that time that this became a bigger part of the public consciousness. But I think these kinds of lawsuits have probably been around for a very long time. It's just we didn't always have the language that we do now to, to describe what was going on. To your knowledge, what are some of the ways that slapsuits are hitting the media and advocates? Well, I mean, in many ways, it actually doesn't even have to get to the point of a lawsuit to, to work. Um, so sometimes, you know, the threat of a lawsuit is really enough to get someone who um, who doesn't have a lot of resources or who may not have access to to a lawyer or to someone with legal expertise to, to back down on something. Because if you get a, a letter, you know, from a lawyer in the mail saying you've been engaged in this discussion, you're, you know, you're saying things about this individual or this organization that aren't true, or you're saying things that are affecting their ability to do business and will be pursuing legal action against you unless you stop. For many people, that's enough to just convince them to stop. Um, and, uh, you know, it's hard to blame them because it is um, it is scary to get notice that you might be sued for hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars um, for doing something that you think is just, you know, participating in discussion on, on something that's of interest to the public generally. So um, sometimes it doesn't even have to get to the point of a lawsuit to, to work. But, um, you know, we know that, that with lawsuits, um, some of the areas that it's had an impact is, you know, for example, on new developments in communities, in the environmental sector, um, even in, um, you know, in, in political arenas at some point. We know that, um, you know, a few years ago there was a case of um, a mayor uh, who sued constituents who had um, 
you know, blog negative things about her, sued them for defamation. Um, and uh, and that was a case where they, um, the, the case was ultimately dismissed and the court did characterize it as a slap suit um, because this politician was, you know, up for re-election when the negative comments were made. And um, it seemed like part of the reason behind the lawsuit was to get people to, to stop talking. Uh, so, um, you know, that can have a really big chilling impact on people. And, um, and you know, we have to try and strike the right balance between uh, protecting, you know, reasonable um, rights around your reputation and, um, uh, but also, you know, protecting the fundamental freedom to express yourself, particularly on issues that are of, of public interest or importance. How does it affect your everyday citizens? Why should this matter to people who just want to live their lives? I mean, I think, you know, it might affect people in ways that they that they don't even realize. So um, in terms, first of all, of, of what, you know, you're comfortable saying, if, if you know that these lawsuits are out there, if you know that, you know, someone who's advocating on an issue that you'd like to advocate on has been threatened with a lawsuit or is being sued, then I think you're you're a lot less likely to speak out. Um, but the other way that I think it's having an impact is that um, the fact that these lawsuits are, are um, sometimes being, being filed and the fact that um, this does have the potential to put, a, you know, a chill on what the media is, um, is prepared to say or is able to say without being threatened with litigation um, affects the information that all of us as a society get from media. I mean, we rely on on reporters to, um, you know, to, to fill us in, to keep us informed. And if they feel that their ability to do that is hampered by the existence of these kinds of lawsuits, then um, that affects our, our right to know what's going on. I immediately think that most of these slap suits aren't truly about economic impact. These are huge corporations suing for millions of dollars against people who make little more than minimum wage. Isn't that something that the courts should have some kind of built-in system to prevent? Yeah, I mean, I think there are already some tools that the courts have to take these things into account, but um, but we, you know, we are uh, we at the Canadian Civil Liberties Association are hopeful that the Ontario Legislature will will pass Bill eighty three, which is the public. Um, Protection of Public Participation Act, the anti-slap bill, which will make it easier for courts to look at these things um, and and easier for them to look at them quick, relatively quickly. Um, but there 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 is already a fair bit of discretion for judges to take a look at some of these kinds of things. I mean, you know, you may there may be a, a lawsuit where it just so happens that the person you're suing doesn't have very much money, but there is a very real economic impact on you and in that case you're you know you're going to be seeking compensation even if it's not realistic that you will actually be able to recover it but but i do think that looking at you know the the, who you're suing and the compensation that's being sought and really looking at you know what is this compensation actually for um you know what what has it actually been been shown what harm has actually been shown to come from this you know, this public participation, um, those are things that, that we need to be, you know, examining uh, much more closely. And I, I know that in um, in Quebec, where they do have uh, a rule that deals with um, these kinds of lawsuits a bit more directly, um, the judges have in some cases looked at the fact that 
for example, defendants are, um, or, or sorry, plaintiffs, the people suing, are, are telling, um, you know, are telling the courts that they plan on donating any money they recover in the lawsuit to a to a charitable organization. Um, well, that's that's very nice, um, but it seems like if your goal is is to recover money and donate it to a charitable organization, that's probably not because you've actually lost money. Uh, that's probably a good indication that um, you're not engaged in this lawsuit to recover money that you lost as a result of the actions of the person that you're suing, but that something else is going on. So um, it is definitely something that we think courts should be should be taking a, a close look at. What can people in Ontario with Bill 83 and across the country do to bring an end to the reign of slap suits? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, it it, it would be um, good for other jurisdictions to obviously consider this kind of um, the kind of legislation that's being introduced that's been introduced in Ontario. Consider whether it's something that they can do in their courts, or take a closer look at how their existing um, rules of procedure in courts could be used to try and discourage these kinds of lawsuits. Um, you know, I think uh, people should um, continue to you know, to advocate for issues that they believe in. And if they, um, if they're threatened with a lawsuit, um, certainly they can, you know, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association is an organization that's uh, very interested in these issues. So um, if, if you feel like you've been the subject of a slap suit, certainly you can contact us and we can see if there's something we can do to help. Um, but, you know, people, people are, uh, are facing these kinds of things. And, um, we should be advocating for ways to to address that through changes to the to the law. What does the future of Canada look like if slap suits are allowed to just carry on as they currently are? Well, I think what it means is that we're going to have you know a, a very um, uh, weakened and impoverished state of you know public debate and discussion on issues if people are are too scared to speak up. Um, you know, this can have, uh, depending on the, the level of success. Now, I mean, the fact that someone's issued a slap suit doesn't necessarily mean they'll succeed. And if we get these cases, some of these cases actually before the courts and um, plaintiffs find that they are not succeeding and that maybe they're getting, you know, negative costs awards against them, then then that's um, that will be an encouraging sign and hopefully send a message out to people that this isn't the kind of thing you can get away with. But um, the reality is that because it's so expensive to defend against these lawsuits, many of them never actually make it to courts. People just stop doing what they were doing and the lawsuit goes away. Uh, so, you know, it does, I think, really weaken our ability to participate and debate um, on issues of, of of public interest and public importance. And, um, and that's why we're, you know, we're trying to get something done about this. To learn more about the Canadian Civil Liberties Association or get in touch with CARA, visit ccla.org. Slap suits are a dangerous tool being used by those who wish to silence their opposition. While the targets may be human, those who suffer in the end are the animals we all seek to protect. Please support legislation that will end slap suits today. Well, folks, that's our show for this week. I'd like to thank Kara and Dylan for taking the time to join us and offer a sincere note of thanks to Brad Gates of Gates Wildlife Control for his ongoing support. Until next time, this is Michael Howie for Defender Radio, reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.